Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous 100 Pounder Special Focus Meeting. My name is Rita Q, and today it is the 4th of October 2023. And I am absolutely delighted to welcome Christy W. I met Christy at one of the conventions, so I'm so pleased. She came to away mid-February 2022. She's from Rutland, which is in the United Kingdom and still lives there. And she is now going to share her experience, strength and hope. Christy, you've got 30 minutes and do you want a five minute warning? Yes, give me a five minute warning. That'd be brilliant. Thank you very much. Take it away, my love. Okay. So, well, the first thing I'm going to say is is thank you so much for um, inviting me to come along and share my story. Um, I'm also going to do this a little differently to the last share I did where I had a very detailed script um, which speaks to my um, need for control so I'm letting go of some of that today I've got some notes but I'm going to really try to do this more from the heart and um, and kind of share my story in that way so bear with me as, as I try to take a bit of a different approach to try and challenge myself a little bit um, so let me start from the beginning and talk a little bit about what it was like for me um, or kind of how it all began really um, which is probably no surprise to many of you that it's kind of started with a, a reasonably traumatic childhood and um, and those char- early childhood experiences which really um, the negative experiences for me happened between the ages of four and twelve really really kind of took me to a place of feeling a great deal of fear, a great deal of shame, um, and really feeling that I just was not good enough as a person. Um, As a result of that, I was just absolutely desperate for people to approve of me so that I could just feel good enough and I could feel that I could fit in. Um, But spent the majority of my time on the outs, felt like on the outskirts of society almost, just not being able to find my place. And when I got to the age of about 12, things really dramatically changed for me. My family situation changed um, and I went to live with my nan. And um, whilst it was a really traumatic time and there was a lot of feelings of fear and guilt associated with that time, it was also a time where I suddenly found that I could feel really safe. And the things that, um, you know, I didn't have previously um, those materialistic trappings that you know I didn't even have enough food before which obviously perhaps played into um, my addiction at a later stage suddenly I was in a situation age 12 where all of those things were accessible to me and my nan provided this amazing um, safe um, sanctuary for me and um, I suddenly felt like oh hang on a second I can see this life where I could fit in I could be good enough Um, and there was also suddenly a life where food was plentiful and those material objects were plentiful and I think that is the pinpoint for me of when I started to overeat and um, I have very vivid memories of um, sneak, my nan had a proper pantry and I remember very much sneaking into the proper pantry to eat jelly, you know, the, the cubes of jelly and it's it's in its kind of uncooked form. And she never seemed to notice that the jelly would go missing. So I'd, I'd kind of, this would continue and the jelly would be replaced and I'd, I'd just keep going. And, and many other things uh, along those lines where, um, oh, sorry, let me just turn my phone off. 
um, where many, many times I would find myself, um, you know, you know, in, in the pantry, pushing down those feelings of um, not feeling good, feeling uncomfortable with the things that I was kind of were on my mind um, about the, th you know, the things I was working through from my previous life. Um, and, and the food really did start to provide that crutch for me. And, um, and, and so began this life where on one side of, of things, I was like really uh, an achiever, striving forward to kind of, you know, do well, to work, to kind of fulfill these these kind of this life that I thought I could visualize and I wanted to achieve and then on the other side kind of pushing down all these uncomfortable feelings and these fears with food and I think the first time I actually officially joined a diet group was when I was about 13 and I promptly lost a couple of stone and thought oh well I've done it now that's great I've fab fabulous I've found the answer and of course I definitely hadn't found the answer because what followed the period of restriction was another period of of overeating and so on and so on for many 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 years um I I estimate that well I can't I couldn't even possibly begin to tell you the number of of different diet programs I tried I the amount of weight I lost and gained I think I I've tried to tot it up and I think it was in excess of uh, well over 80 stone in, you know, in different times, gained, lost, gained, lost. Um, and it just, I just felt like I can't, I can't do this. I can't, my life is out of control and I can't do it. And it just carried on over years and years and years. And, and whilst in many areas of my life I was achieving, just felt like there was this, this kind of underlying issue that I could never deal with. And it did feel like my life was unmanageable. And it got to the point for me where I was physically really, really struggling. Um, I was, if I, when I lay down at night, I would wheeze. I couldn't breathe properly. I, when I drove to work in the car, my, the tops of my legs would be numb by the time I got out of the car, because just the weight of my my stomach on my legs was just kind of cutting off my circulation, really. Um, where I work, um, three store, three flights of stairs to get up to the top of the stairs, and I could not speak to a soul while I was going up these stairs because I couldn't breathe. And people would try and have a conversation with me, and I would be you know couldn't get a breath in to even reply and so I used to have this strategy whereby I'd have to I'd try and avoid anybody that was going up the stairs because I couldn't walk with anybody so I could go up on my own and then when I got to the top of the stairs there was a little foyer area and there was a notice board and I would stand and read the notice board over and over again because that was the only way I could give myself enough time to be able to gather my breath and breathe properly before I actually went into the main office and then I could hold a conversation. Um, and of course, my life revolved around where I was going to get my next fix from. Where where was I going to get the food from? Um, I, 
you know, the, it, they often say connection is the opposite uh, or addiction is the opposite of connection. And that was absolutely the case for me. I would want to kind of bury myself away with my secret stash of foods um, so that I could kind of immerse myself in, in that addiction. And I would constantly be planning ahead as to how am I going to find the next food that will get me through to the next meal um because going from a, a meal to another meal without food was impossible for me I just needed to be eating continuously and um I mean I have many 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 examples of you know going from the office when I would have just been eating in the office and a, a meal out with the team later that night maybe at seven o'clock but I'm never going to get through to seven so I'm going to have to go through a drive through on the way to the hotel and then and then I'll get into the exec lounge and just get some snacks from the exec lounge that will get me from the through from the drive through eating to the meal at seven. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to go through the exec lounge again on the way back to the hotel because I've got to get through to bedtime then. And that was just standard absolutely normal for me um and I just couldn't imagine a life where that was not the case and um and so it kind of got to this point where I was absolutely in the gutter it, I, I would I always kind of say I feel like I was the, the the equivalent of a gutter drunk I was that in terms of of the food and um the physical side of it was miserable it was impacting on my relationships and um i had this moment where during the covid years i'd had this um connection on on teams with somebody um, at work who had only ever seen my head and shoulders and um i actually bumped into her and in a i was actually in the car just about to shove a um something in my mouth and she she knocked on the window of my car and and I kind of looked up with this this food item kind of half shoved in my mouth and the horror of her seeing my entire physique to kind of neck down as well I could just see the look of shock in her face and I think some of those things just you know landed and I was just desperate. I was absolutely desperate, but just had no answer. And I did at this point know about OA, but I just didn't ha I just didn't think I had it in me to to ever be part of it or join OA or I I just the, maybe it was fear, maybe it was um I don't I don't know what, but there was it wasn't I didn't think I could do that. Um and then one night my mum insisted on me going with her to this spiritual sound bath and I described myself as somebody who was spiritually dead and I kind of reluctantly went to this sound bath with her and all the way there I was doing this deep sighing and she was like what's wrong what's wrong with you and I said like, I'm just so beyond like fed up I can't can't carry on like this what what am I going to do and she said to me, well, I think the only thing you can do now is is bariatric surgery. And I said, I can't do that. I cannot do that. It's it. That's not my answer. It might be the answer for some people, but it's not my answer. And I just knew that it wasn't my answer. And um, anyway, without any answers in my head, I went to this um, this sound bath and something strange happened. But I 
I went into this deep relaxation. Um, I can't, I can't explain it, but I did. And halfway through, I did this kind of strange wail in the room, and I didn't even know if it had come from me. I thought maybe it did, but I wasn't sure. And I said to my mum afterwards, did I make a funny noise halfway through that sound bath? And she was like, yeah, you did this kind of, like you wailed a little bit. And I thought, my gosh, like I thought I did, but I wasn't sure if it was me or not. But it was almost like something shifted. And as we were driving home in the car, I thought, I'm going to text OA when I get home. I'm just going to send them a message. And like, if somebody messages me back, then maybe I'll join. And I did. And somebody did message me back, which weirdly felt a bit miraculous. And I went along to a meeting the following Wednesday and um, not really knowing what to expect or anything about um, the programme. And um, I got the gist of the fact when I was in the meeting that you you kind of might need a sponsor so when somebody said they were an available sponsor I blurted out will you be my sponsor and realizing now that's probably not the appropriate way to ask for a sponsor but I kind of didn't know at the time so um I just they said well I'll phone you after so I put my details in and they phoned me and what then followed was um a very intensive period of work which I won't lie initially when I started to to do this work I was thinking I'm not sure this is a lot you know I've got a really busy life and I've got all I've got three kids to look after and I've got a full-time job and I've got and I'm thinking I can't give all this time to um to this program and then this voice in the back of my head kept saying but actually Christy you're going to die if you don't. You are going to not wake up in the morning because you'll have had a heart attack in your sleep or you're going to, you know, you're going to have a stroke. Something's going to happen if you do not do this. And so I just kept listening. My sponsor kept saying to me, stop thinking about it. It's the long term. Just It's just for today. Just for today, you need to do this. Just for today. And I just kept saying that, that mantra in my head is just for today. And each day it just kept rolling on and rolling on and the abstinence stuck. I kind of, I, I, I kept, you know, my focus on my abstinence stuck, but I developed my food plan and my, my plan of eating. And I started to work the steps from that very first day. And, um, and it just kind of kept going I just kept doing it I kept repeating those actions day after day after day and to start with it was very intensive I was having sponsor calls on a daily basis sometimes more than once a day obviously going to meetings um and as I worked through all of those things and I really recognize the importance of all those steps now um I started to understand more and more and more about um my disease I started to forgive myself because I realized actually this is it's not my fault um I've got a disease that is outside of my control I'm powerless over over this and actually being able to forgive myself for that um and make um amends 
to the people that really mattered in my life as well for, for the impact that it had had on them was a really powerful part of the program for me. And um, I, I just kind of kept doing that, kept working those steps. And, and the weight just kind of started to come off and a little bit more and a little bit more. And it, it, the focus was not on the weight, weirdly. Although I know, you know, we're working towards that healthy body weight. What was suddenly became so clear was it was all, it was the steps. That was what I needed to do. I needed to be in recovery. And, you know, they say focus on the program and you lose the weight. Focus on the weight, you lose your program. And I, I could not agree on that more. And um, and so I kind of carried on working the steps and and then moved into that maintenance um, phase of, of steps kind of 10, 11 and 12. And the power of, of really understanding myself, knowing my defects. Right? I have way too much um, need for control. I sit in judgment way too much. I need the reason I need control is because I want to control your opinion of me. I want you to think, you know, I'm good enough. I want you to think that I fit into your crew, into your tribe. And um, and so therefore I'm constantly trying to seek your approval. Or if if it's somebody that I can control and they might be having an impact on, on your view of me, I'm trying to control them because, you know, I'm talking about my kids here or my husband or my family or, you know, I want to control them because if they don't show up right, then you're going to think badly of me. So there's loads of stuff that has I, I work through and I continue to work through that on a daily basis. Um, but honestly, the power of um, continuing to work the program, I, I just I, I cannot um, I cannot express enough how powerful that has been for me. And it, it's interesting because I, I went through a phase of being terrified of losing this recovery absolutely terrified of that and um I spoke to my sponsor about that and she said don't be afraid just be vigilant she said you're not afraid when you cross the road are you she said you stand on the edge of the road and there's cars coming and yeah if you stepped out in front of the car you know that would be a really bad thing but you're vigilant so you make sure you don't step out in front of the car and she said it's the same with your program be vigilant don't be complacent don't like you know stop going to meetings don't stop working your steps don't stop doing your reading and then you will you know you'll keep you'll keep it alive you'll keep it going and actually as as i reflected on that that fear definitely started to fall away and now i feel in a in a space where I absolutely do feel vigilant because I want to I want to hold on to this because I'll talk a bit in a moment about kind of what that's meant the recovery has meant for me and what how life is different for me now um but you know absolutely that be vigilant don't be complacent keep working the steps and and the rest of it kind of all will come with it so um so that that's kind of a little bit of my journey since I joined in February of 2022 um and how is life different for me now? Well, I can't even begin to express the difference in my life. I've obviously um, let go of quite a lot of weight, kind of over, well over 100 pounds now I've lost in terms of weight since I joined the programme. Um, just being able to physically move for a start is life-changing for me. I can't express that. Um, just the, the connection I now have with the people around me that I love is completely 
different oh yeah great a great example so here's some kind of before photographs of um which obviously didn't like having my photograph taken ever so I kind of would avoid it but you can see there um some of the photographs of when I was was bigger and um and then I think we've also got some photographs um as well of of when I kind of bit on the other side of the the coin so you can see some photographs there and and in the the top right and the bottom right photographs are on a, a recent holiday and do you know what the joy of being able to go on holiday and be physically active with my family and enjoy all of the things that um I would have like you know not not been able to enjoy because I was so restricted by my weight is just in, in, incredible and and you know it's the the most amazing thing is there's things that are possible to me that I would have thought were never possible so I would have thought I could never ever go to the cinema and enjoy watching a film without eating lots of food and now I can go, do you know what it I genuinely I can go to the cinema and enjoy watching a film and I don't need the food to enjoy it and that for me is an utter miracle I can go from one meal to another and I don't need to eat in between um I I and don't get me wrong I really appreciate and enjoy the food that I do eat but I I'm it's about moderation it's about um it's about consistency and um and and appreciating it for for the the nourishment and the um what it's doing for me rather than feeding into into that kind of addiction and that compulsion um and I do have to have you know boundaries around um my eating so personally for me my food plan is three meals a day and I really do need that because I I know the way that my addiction takes control is if I don't have those clear boundaries the escalation would be very very quick and actually having those those kind of meal boundaries works incredibly well for me um and but you know many other things you know I can I can go on a long car journey without packing up a meal that should feed about 10 people which is what I would have would have 100% done in the past I, I couldn't even really go on a short car journey without doing that and um the fear I used to fear be terrified of being in a situation where I might not be able to put my hands on food and um that fear has has completely left me now um which is a miracle in itself and and just the the way that I see the world it's like I can't really explain it but it's like somebody turned on the light and I can suddenly see things in multicolour when everything just felt like um hard slog before and, and an example of that is you know my my evenings in the past would consist of overeating which I would have been overeating all day and then I would fall asleep on the sofa without doubt I'd put the kids to bed I'd sort out stuff and then I would fall asleep on the sofa and my husband would say are you going to come to bed? And I would say, I will, I will, but I'm not coming yet because I'm half a, I'm sleeping, right? And I'd be, I'll be there in a minute. And he'd say, you won't, you're going to fall asleep. And I'd say, no, I'll, I'll be there in a minute. And inevitably, nine times out of 10, I'd still be on the sofa at three o'clock in the morning. I'd wake up freezing cold and then I'd drag myself up to bed. And um, you know, coming back to that 
connection piece how do you have connection with your your partner when you don't even go to bed because you you know you just put yourself into a food coma and um and that was what life is like and now um I can't I can't remember the last time I fell asleep on the sofa because that just I just the end I don't have energy I didn't even know it was possible to have this energy I have more energy now when I'm 40 coming up to 49 next month and and actually this month so not far off 50 and um I've got more energy now than I had when I was 16 years old because just having put the food down and experiencing life on life's terms just gives me that energy and and that's actually something else to touch on as well is is um feeling the feelings so that has definitely been something new for me because I have pushed the feelings down of every kind with food for so many years um, that doing my daily step 10 has been massively important and and it's 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 a well I'd say it's an ongoing learning journey to deal with those feelings and and feel a bit more comfortable to sit with the feeling and to find different ways to work through a feeling than to just push it down with food. And on the plus side of that, I can now celebrate and experience joy without it having to be about or, or incorporated into food. Um, but obviously with the feelings that are a bit harder and a bit tougher, that does require a bit of work and but what I have is absolute the tools now and the community with this fellowship to be able to work through those feelings and you have um, five minutes left thank you thank you and to um and to manage those feelings in an in entirely different way uh, I'm just reflecting on if there's anything else. Let me just read my notes. See if there was anything else I was going to share that I've not, um, that I have not spoken about already. Um, I think um, really it's probably just to finish off and say that you know, I know, I know I'm going to have to keep working this program for the, for the rest of my days and be part of this fellowship for the rest of my days. And whilst at one point that did feel terrifying and I had to think of it on that just for this day basis, actually now I feel completely the opposite way. And I am, I like, I'm like, I need this fellowship. I need this group of people and I need this program. And it brings me so much so much comfort and so much um recovery to be a part of of this wider community um and i i am so encouraged by this program and i and talking about you know passing on that message i can't i can't stress the amount of times i went to the doctors and said i need help and never once did anybody say to me you need to go to OA. And, and I, I feel like we've got a massive job to do with healthcare professionals to, to kind of pass on the power of 12-step programmes and, um, and, and share that because 
I honestly thought I was never I was never going to recover I just thought I'm just going to die with this disease and um the fact that I'm here to tell my story today um and you know be, feeling how I feel now and I, I literally do feel like I'm I'm seeing the world through new glasses almost um I just hope that um we can kind of continue to pass on that recovery to as many people as possible and and together we recover and together we get better so um thank you so much for listening and I I've done that I've only read my notes like twice I'm quite proud of myself because normally I would definitely be a script kind of girl so thank you for bearing with me um with my waffling Oh, that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Christy. What a lovely message to have some weight. And I'm just going to read something out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that really, really spoke to me for, about your share. And there is a solution on page 17. We are people who normally would not mix, but there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness and an understanding, which is indescribably wonderful. We are like the passengers of a great liner the moment after rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie, joyousness and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. Unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us, but that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. I'm going to stop the recording there. <laughs>